Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we are back with Ayers on the Road. Wow, I don't think any of us has, well, maybe been on the road more than we ever have, less, less in the air because of the pandemic. But it is amazing what, um, what happens every week and what we learn every week as we work our way through this pandemic. It surely is. And you know, a lot of people have said to us that uh, their relationships have taken a hit during the pandemic. You know, it's just too much time together and we're on top of each other and we can't get out and we, we're all missing certain things and we're frustrated and we take it out on each other. And that's a tragedy when you hear that. And I, I wish we could all, and I know we're all trying to do this. We're trying to say, let's take advantage of this pandemic from a relationship standpoint. Let's, let's enjoy this, this island of time, this moment in time when we really are together as families more than usual, even though it inconveniences our jobs and it's sometimes very difficult. Let's look at it as a, a rare blessing. Someday in the future, we may look back on this and say, I kind of wish that could happen again. <laughs> in some ways, but also some good things will happen that we won't know about until it's all over. I just heard in the news the other day, and I don't want to pass on fake news, but that 70% that premature births have decreased by 70%. No one can explain it. And 90% by extremely <clears throat> early, early premature births. Yeah. And how does that happen? I just don't know, but there's something, there's something about it. So we really hope that we can take advantage of it and we're hoping that you can too, as far as your relationships go in your house. And of course, the most important relationship is that of marriage. And I, boy, I would defend that to anyone. I mean, a lot of times when we're giving a, a, a talk or a speech and it's on relationships, we will start off by saying, um, Think about two things. Think about parenting and think about marriage. And then be honest and tell us by the raise of hand, which of those do you devote the most effort, the most mental energy, the most, the most try, you know, which do you try most consciously on to improve? Well, do you think about the most? Are you aware of the most? Are you working on? Yeah, and about, and about 90% of people raise their hand on parenting. They're working harder, spending more effort on trying to improve their parenting than they are their marriage. And part of the reason is that that word, you know, parenting, what is that? That's, that's an active word. That's an art. That's a skill. That's something we're developing. Parenting, parenting, that's, a, that's a, what we're working on. Well, we need a word like that for marriage. Marriage sounds static. I, I'm married. It's I'm, it, it's done. We're there. Done, Dale. But call it marriaging. That's what we wanted to do. And, and the one and only book we've ever written on, on this subject, many of you listeners know how many we've done on parenting. So maybe we're the culprits. We've been thinking all these years of writing books about parenting, never had written a book about marriage. The minute we got the idea of marriaging, the yeah. active, improving, get better at it. Yes. And I think we're still working on that. Um, but we have gone through a lot of convolutions to get where we are. And I think it was marriage that worth. made it work. Marriaging, I mean, really, 
really working at it because I'm not the easiest person to live with and definitely <laughs> you are not the easiest person to live with. And so um, there are things, there are adjustments that need to be made and there are finally you give up on some things and decide the, crazy, the craziness in your spouse is one of the reasons you married him because um, this kind of makes life exciting. Well, anyway, two, two thoughts on that, Linda. Number one, if you were to poll all of our friends and say, who's the hardest to live with, Rick or Linda? I don't think you'd get any votes at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm sure they'd be. And, and the second thing I want to say is uh, we, we really feel after 51 years that by the time we've got another 50 years under our belts on about our 100th anniversary we're going to really have this thing figured we are, out. <laughs> we are really going to figure it out. But there are so many things that we when we got married we realized that we were going on advice that was that did not work for us at least for us it did not work. And that took us a lot of years to undo something. Because it was well-meaning. Right. It was well-meaning. People were trying to give good advice, but a lot of what they were telling us was flat-out wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just in as, a, as, a, as an example, um, the guy who married us, we love him dearly. He's so great. Let's not mention his name. No, let's not. He's <laughs> passed on now, so uh, no one will ever know. But it really, we went to his home for some advice before we started. And he said, you know, you two... The best thing you can do is never go to bed on an argument. Just don't go to sleep until you get it worked out. Never let the sun set on a disagreement. It sounded so poetic and so wise. So, yes, so right. So we didn't get any sleep at all for about the first three months of our marriage. Oh my gosh, years. <laughs> we argued years. all night. <laughs> oh my goodness, we were up. And then the, the more tired we got, the more unreasonable we got, and the more crazy we got. It was terrible. Well, that's a perfect way to start, Linda, because what, what he was doing without realizing it was perpetuating a myth. One of the myths of marriaging that we're going to talk about. The myth that the way you judge a relationship is by how seldom you disagree. In other words, people who never disagree and who always are on the same page and who are basically clones of each other, that, that that's a perfect marriage. And frankly, I think that's the definition of a boring marriage. Well, that's true, <laughs> although some people agree more than others. And even now, as our grandchildren are starting to get married, we realize that there are just several kinds of marriage. And we're not saying we have this all figured out just because we figured it out, because every marriage is so different and so difficult in a lot of ways. So the first page of this book actually says this. I'm kind of proud of this because, you know, we've endured a lot. Released on the day of their 50th wedding anniversary, this is the first and only book on marriage that prolific best-selling family and parenting authors Richard and Linda Iyer have ever written. We didn't want to tackle this subject, says Linda, until we had five decades of it under our belts. <laughs> <laughs> and we have had five decades and there have been some really wild ups and downs and I have to admit there are days when I thought I don't know if I can do this anymore I just am <laughs> so tired I'm so tired but it really is amazing what happens when you realize that you are committed now we as we talk about this we realize there are some marriages that need uh, yes to end, of course that really need there, to end. there are some that need to if need to be done physical or emotional yeah. abuse or you know there are any number of things where there really is a need for for a divorce but 
in our case, we haven't had any of that. We've just had a lot of other... Well, and it is, you mentioned the word commitment, Linda. We know, both of us, because of our strong wills and and so on. I won't mention some of the other faults, but uh, we know that were it not for a total commitment, we wouldn't have made it this far. No, I don't think total so. Total commitment is what changes everything because then when there's a problem, big or small, you don't ask yourself, can we get through this? You say, how do I get through this? Because yeah. the commitment is absolute. Yeah. But you know, Linda, we really, even then, after all these years of writing books on family and never doing one on marriage, when we finally did get around to a book on marriage, we still kind of copped out because we realized we knew more about what not to do than what to do in a way. And so we, we ended up calling it the eight myths of marriaging. In other words, the eight mistakes you don't want to make. The eight, right. It was more about what not to do than what to do, but we, we realized as we were working on it that once you identify something you want to stop doing, that automatically connects you to something you want to start doing. Yeah, so do you, this is my question to you because now we're just celebrating our 51st anniversary this week. Right. And so this book actually has been One out year for old. a year. Yeah. Um, but do you think we um, have a better marriage than we did a year ago when we were 50? No question. <laughs> Infinitely better. Infinitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always a mixed bag. Uh, Why did you ask that question? What do you think? No, I'm just wondering. It just occurred to me. Yeah, I do think we've progressed. Well, we identified the myths and yeah. tried to get past them. Well, we did, but there are some things we still are working on. So it's never a perfect and a question of perfect. So we're going to try to cover a lot today, but let's let's go for these eight myths. And let's talk about what's wrong. I mean, why, why these things that sometimes sound wise and we accept them for advice, why they're myths, why they're not true, why they're counterproductive, why they do harm to a marriage. And then let's just bring out the truth that the falsehood ought to lead us to once we realize it's false. Okay. Okay. So let's let's go for uh, we'll, we'll alternate reading them and we'll just comment a little on. Okay, them. so the first one is the clone myth. So this is the myth: a good measure of the quality of your relationship or marriage is how alike you are and how infrequently you disagree or argue. Now, just the story you were telling earlier, honey. exactly. And the truth that replaces that myth is. Some of the best and most exciting marriages are between two strong individuals who relish rather than resent their differences, who each have their own unique opinions and can disagree and debate and learn from each other. How do you resolve is a better measure than how often do you need to. So don't fear disagreement and don't fear differences of opinion. Think of them as ways to learn and ways to grow and ways to maybe come to a third alternative that's better than either of the viewpoints that you started with. But again, it is a myth to think that you can measure your marriage by how infrequently you disagree because it's not about that. It's about being yourself and finding synergy. But we're just saying this because we disagree on almost everything. That's true. And well, that's I do true. have friends who really do have a much more, you know, Boring. No, it's not boring. <laughs> Stop that. We have friends who have a wonderful relationship and they don't waste a lot oh, of energy. Oh, they have no fireworks, no fun. Oh, I would never my gosh. Want. Okay, myth number two. 
Let me read this one. The achievement myth. And the myth is that achievements are harder and take more time than relationships do. In a lot of our speaking and traveling and writing, we run onto so many successful quote-unquote people who take so much pride in their companies or in their job or in their finances or in their, their things that they own that they've lost track of the fact that none of those things matter compared to their relationship. And so the truth that we need to replace that with is very profound, I think. It goes like this. Relationships are both in the short term and the long term more important than achievements. And they're usually harder. And, and that's what we have to get through our mind, that it's the relationships we need to work hardest on, not the achievements. The achievements are there to support the relationship. Right. Especially the marriage relationship. It's just so easily said and so difficult to make it happen. But it is absolutely true. Let's see if we can go through one more before the break and we'll, we'll have been through three of the eight. The independence myth. The myth. It's best for each spouse to maintain his or her own independence and to form a self-reliant two-way partnership. Boy, you hear that a lot, you know. So many people are saying, hey, the best marriages are two strong, independent people who just get together for convenience, but they never, they never lose their own separateness from each other. They never lose their own independence from each other. Well, we talked about this a lot in our podcast last week, but the truth on this is interdependence is overrated and lonely and gets more so the longer we live. Interdependence is the acknowledgement of this simple, vulnerable truth, and it is a joy to willingly, enthusiastically trade your independence for interdependence. Ultimately, the three-way partnership that recognizes dependence on God is the strongest of all. Boy, we, we feel so strongly about that one, that people have to surrender their independence in f not not to give up something they'll never find, but to replace it with something better, which is interdependence. So there we go. That's a good start. Hang in. We'll we'll be back in just a minute. Right back after this brief break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about marriage, the myths of marriage, the details of marriage, the, the nitty-gritty stuff that we learned wrong and we're trying to get right. And we had a little mini fight during the break. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Just to illustrate the point. Oh, man. So here's number four, the perfection myth. And this is, boy, this is a prevalent one. You'll find this all through relationships all over the world. The myth is, I can find or create a perfect match for myself, and then I will be happy. Now think of the fallacy of that. I can find, I can fix, I can make it right for me, and then I'll be happy. <laughs> oh man, I thought that for sure. You know, I loved you so much when we met and when we got engaged and everything, but... And I thought, you know, this guy's got some faults, but I can fix it, not to worry. I can fix it. I know I can fix it. So here's the truth that replaces that. 
Some married couples are better matched than others. There are even those who believe they have found their soulmate. But most marriages are about accommodation and adjustment, and they're more about changing our own minds than about fixing our spouse. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I have totally decided that your quirky idiosyncrasies are part of you, and I wouldn't change them if I could, because you're so endearing. Well, I've got a step further. Well, I guess I guess what you're saying is we've kind of both finally got there. I, I said to Linda maybe five years ago, do you think, honey? I kind of shocked you yeah. one day. I said, I've, I've been thinking hard about this, Linda, and even if I had a magic wand, even if I could just change something about you, there is not one single thing that I would change, and you you had no you did not believe that you're like yeah I could yeah, list yeah. ten that you. Let change. me remind you of that the next time <laughs> I drive you crazy. Well, but what I realize is what you just said a minute ago, honey, that you're a complex human being, and if I changed, if I tweaked one little thing that I'm bothered by or that maybe bugs me sometimes, I'd run a huge risk that that little change would trigger other changes in you or be part of a bigger change that would change the very things I love most about you. I just have to be realistic though. As much as I love your idiosyncrasies, really, if you looked around and saw what needed to be done and just did it without see, me see, writing it oh, down nope, on a piece nope, of nope. paper. If you changed that about me, it would probably ruin my creativity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we still got a little work to do at this. <clears throat> All right, let's go to number five. This is really an interesting one. The no waves myth. The myth is, in marriage, some things are better left unsaid. And it's safest to float along and not make waves. Now think about that for a minute. You know, people think... Oh, I'll just let this one go. We'll just agree to disagree here. We we don't want to. I don't want to upset things. I don't want to have a, a an, an emotional. I don't want a drama here. I'll just float along on the surface. It's like we were listening to Wicked the other day on uh, on the radio, and there's that one song about dancing through life. Just just don't do anything that would cause problems. Don't cause you know? waves. Yeah. And so here's the truth that replaces it. Unexpressed feelings never die. They're just buried and come forth later in uglier forms. Timing is important, but the best marriages communicate everything, even when it creates some turbulence. Remember once when we were talking to Stephen Covey, our great mentor and friend, and he said, Hey, I'm going to give you two cliches. Which one do you believe for your marriage? And the first one he said was, some things are better unsaid. Yeah, this one And we both, we, we both were like, well, of course, of course that's true. Some things are better left unsaid. But then he said, well, here's the other one. And just the one you read, Linda. Yeah. Unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. And he, he looked right at us and he said, you've got to pick one of those. You can't, you can't believe in both of those. Yeah, but there are some exceptions to that, too. Like, if I come out and say, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> if you say yes, I'm going to be so mad, <laughs> even if they do. Well, I don't think he was talking so much about honesty. He was just talking about, do you share or bottle certain things up? And I remember he said, listen, some things are better unsaid as a great motto for business or for a friendship or for a teammate, because there's certain things you just don't want to say. But if you start... 
letting that come into your marriage. Oh, some things I'll say, but some things I won't. You know, some things I'll just bottle up. Boy, that's dangerous because you're trying to become one. And over time, that is going to come. And we've had this. I mean, you probably more than I. You've had times when you were pretty mad at me and you couldn't remember why, but you knew something had happened. <laughs> And, yeah. it, and it had not been resolved. Well, and then the next time something like that happens, then, yeah, and boils then, it's, over. And then it just explosion, you know. That's absolutely true. So what are we saying there? Don't just blurt out everything that happens in a tactless, hurtful way, obviously. But have a time to clear the air. And, and so we ended up modifying what that wonderful man, the false advice he gave us at our marriage when he said, you know, don't ever go to sleep till everything's fine. You've agreed on everything. We couldn't do it, but we did modify it and say, let's not let a weekend without getting everything. Yeah, resolved. and we also did learn that the best thing we could do is separate when for we're a little when while. We come to yeah. an impasse, separate, but not walk out or not just, huff no, away. But just, but just take a time out. Go. We call it going to the balcony. Just go to the balcony and look at yourself like you're in a play and think, how in the world could that guy possibly be thinking <laughs> such a stupid thing? And then, um, you know, you think, well, maybe this or maybe this. I mean, then you change clothes, you get, you get a different environment, it changes everything instead of escalating. But if you don't get it resolved, we do this thing on Sunday and we're proud of it. We've given this advice to so many people and it's advice we follow ourselves. Have what we call a Sunday session, or a feeling session, or a testimony meeting, whatever terminology you want to use, where on Sundays, we think Sunday's the best day because it's the end of one week and the start of another, where you look each other in the eye and tell each other your feelings. Start with the positive, with your love and your, your, your joy in each other. But then talk about, you know, last Wednesday, or it's still bothering me a little what happened, and in that nice atmosphere, clear the air. So you enter the next week with nothing on the slate, nothing, nothing weighing you down, nothing that has not been communicated. Yeah, communicated, not that's completely resolved. Right, right. Okay, number six. This is a, we can go through this one pretty fast. Yeah, the test drive. But we run into it a lot. There's so many things, uh, couples now who are going uh, with the test drive uh, marriage myth. And that is uh, people who are thinking, you can't buy a car until you've taken a test drive, and it's unwise to make a marriage commitment before you've lived together long enough to know if it will work. Now, some of you listening may just think that's awful because you believe in marriage and you believe in commitment and you believe in chastity and you believe in fidelity. But let me tell you, the rule in the world, our world, where we're speaking and talking to people throughout the world who are married uh, or who are living together, young people, the, the new rule, the new norm is not to get married. The new norm yeah. is just move in together. Many and, more and they think of it as the smart, together. prudent thing to do. It's yeah. a test drive. We've got to try it exactly. out. Exactly. But we really think the truth is the commitment that will make a marriage is the commitment that makes a marriage work. Real security comes from promising and implementing complete allegiance not from not from conditional tentative try it and see perspectives we've got renters now that we watch and other people that we see not only once in a speech but over time and we love them we love them and we're not trying to be judgmental but boy when you see the difference in a relationship that is totally committed and through a marriage and through 
you know, making vows and taking those vows seriously, and, and particularly if they're temple marriages that are going to last for a very long time, then um, when you see the difference between that and what I call them as tentative marriages, like, well, we're not married yet, but we're living together. We're going to see if it works out. And if it does, we'll probably get married sometime. That In that kind of relationship, everything that comes along may be a deal breaker. You know, oh, I didn't realize this about you, or I didn't realize we'd have this kind of a fight. I think we better back out. Yeah, there's just so much of that. Um, okay, the seventh. This is a big one. The equality myth. The myth is equality should be the prime goal of your relationship or your marriage. Now, some of your listeners are like, wait, that's not a myth. Equality is the goal. That's what we're after. That's what we want. No, but the truth is, striving for equality breeds comparing and criticism. It may produce more competition than compatibility. It's, it's better to work for a marriage of synergistic oneness that breeds cooperation and compensates her one another's weaknesses. Now, catch the difference. We're not saying equality is bad. We're saying the type of equality that you want is a oneness equality where you join forces together. And you're not always comparing like, wait, wait, you went out three times with your friends last week and I didn't go once, so I'm not equal. Or, hey, wait, you're in this nice office every day and I'm home with these kids. That's not equal. And there's this sort of comparing and contrasting and or juggling and evaluating. You're home with the kids and I have to go out and work all the time. You know, it really is really so, so destructive. And so don't just say like equality it. because sometimes that's a little kind of a tit for and tat it, thing. It depends on the time of life you're in. Sometimes right. equality is 20-80. Sometimes equality is 80-20. Right. Right. I mean, you have to go, you have to work with what's happening. And we have a friend who's... Um, husband's and has cancer right now and obviously and there's yeah. no quality there is it's totally a hundred so, almost zero so our challenge to you is refine your definition of equality not sameness but valuing and respecting each other in potentially different roles and working towards a synergistic oneness which is way better than some kind of a comparing sameness Myth is marriage is on the decline and is weakening and disappearing as an institution. Now, in a way, that's true because there are the statistics yes, show we that about more than half. Yeah, well, are and, not married. well, and for every yeah, for every one couple in today's world that gets married and moves in together, there are three couples who move in without getting married. Right, cohabitation. Yeah. So, you could argue that yes, it is declining, but here's the real truth. The truth is, the strongest, most fulfilling marriages in the history of the world exist today. Now, we really believe that. I you know, do believe that. That, that. Because it used to be marriages were an economic thing. You know, let's get married, have a household, it'll, we'll have a farm, we'll raise kids, be the farmhands. It's just more practical. And, you know, marriages were, were not even thought of in the glorious potential terms they are today of complete partnership and complete cherishing. So the, we think the, the truth is that while marriage as an institution may be declining, within that trend, there are stronger marriages today with more equality and oneness and purpose and common, common movement toward the goal than there have ever been before. It is, in other words, 
Another way to say it, it is possible in today's world, 2020, moving into the next century, to have a better marriage than your parents did, than your grandparents did, than your great-grandparents did. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I'm sure some of you had beautiful marriages than your parents and grandparents, but um, I don't remember my parents, um, you know, interacting like we yeah. do, and yeah. or, or having the quality. I mean, they were great workers. They worked together. They really helped each other and so on, but it's just different. So, again, thanks for being with us. We tried to go through a lot here. We hope for you that you'll get over some of these myths if, if they're affecting your marriage and that you will understand that it should be marriaging, not marriage. Work every day toward improving your marriage. Don't ever say it's fine now, I'm leaving it alone. Keep improving. Or say it's final, I can't stand yeah, this guy. It yeah. really is, there's <laughs> always improvement that you can make. So. And commitment is the key. Commitment is. So we wish you the very best. We know we're talking to a lot of people with wonderful marriages out there. Congratulations to you. We love you. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.